Welcome to the Naughty Child Podcast with me, Richard. And me, Polly. I'm the dad. And I'm the daughter. I did everything before I leave. I need to find that bag of Alex Hartley took us off air in Brighton earlier this year. I'm a huge fan of Pepper. We thought we were really funny. Bobby, I'm doing a <laughs> podcast, man. Come on. <laughs> well, my dog is now called Jimmy Anderson. Oh, well, Manchester Originals aren't through to the Eliminators, so I've got to change that to you. Uh, yeah. Do you cook French food? Like, do you cook frog legs and snails? <laughs> oh, I just locked myself in a procedure room. That Sophie Eccleston's the worst. It's like having a child with you when she's on tour. I don't know whether it shows something about me or whether it just shows I'm a little bit stupid. Polly, we had a great time last Saturday, didn't we? Yeah, Edge Baston was absolutely packed. It was really good. Obviously, unfortunately that um unfortunate that England didn't win. But really good game. And yeah, the crowd was amazing. It's the busiest I've ever seen Edge Baston for a women's game. And um yeah, the crowd I think the thing that like to me is more important is that the crowd were really engaged. Because I think sometimes you do get you can get people in and they're just not that interested. But it was a very partisan crowd. Um, that's something different to the Commonwealth Games as well. That, you know, there was real support for England and people weren't coming along because they got it in the ballot. And it was just one of the many sports they were seeing. It was, we're here for the cricket to see England women in the ashes. And that's really kind of the vibe I got from the crowd. It was brilliant. Yes, I was there with 15 girls from my school. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had an absolutely amazing time. They loved it. They were screaming. <laughs> they were shouting. They Bet loved, you love that. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, they loved the uh, Mexican wave and the mm-hmm. beach balls and the fire and everything. They just—it was brilliant. It was a really, really good occasion and just great to see them and loads of other people just being introduced mm-hmm. to cricket. Yeah, no, I thought it was really good. I mean, I was wondering how many people is you know, how many people have come to their first women's cricket game or even their first cricket game. Um, so I thought that was really good. In terms of England's performance, it was an interesting one because I didn't think Australia were at their best. Of course, they obviously, you know, they won, which um, kind of no surprises. But I thought there were some good moments from England. I think England managed to put pressure on at certain points. They needed more of those points, but... On the whole, I don't think it was bad by England. For England to beat Australia, we need loads of players to all fire on the mm. same day. Yeah. So Sophia Dunkley did well. Amy Jones. Amy Jones had did a good day. Well, and really having we got stuck in a rut really, mm. sort of around over fifteen, and things were dragging along. But she came in and the last two overs did really well. You know, hit a six off the last mm-hmm. ball. So, um. 153 was slightly below par. I'd have yeah. wanted about 160. And I think that proved about right, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and Australia just kind of went about it in a really boring yeah. way. <laughs> they just got I mean, themselves ahead and stayed ahead. Like Beth Mooney's innings was like the most boring 50 I've ever watched. <laughs> but it was what they needed. And yeah. that's what the Aussies do. They come from anywhere and just do what they need to do. They don't have to put on a massive spectacular show and thrash teams. Um, So it does put them 6-0 up, which (laughs) isn't great. And although all the England players will be like, yeah, we can win this from here, being realistic, England aren't going to win. Australia are going to retain and potentially even 
get enough to win. Um, now turns to the other T20s and the three ODIs. We've got T20 at the Oval on Wednesday and T20, is it Friday at Lords? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no Saturday even. Get my days wrong. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know where. I think the gap is closing and that's quite clear. But I think in terms of England getting a win, I'm not quite sure. If that's going to come, it's going to be in the T20s. I don't see England winning the ODIs. However, out of Australia's last 23, 24 T20s, they've won 23 of them. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's, that run's got to come to an end at some point. Yeah. And I think it's a realistic target for England to look to win one of the remaining games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we'd kind of take that. Oh, I would take it. It's just not a whitewash. Yeah. Um, the moment we lost the Test match, it meant we were never yeah. going to win the Ashes because I think we needed to win the Test match. Mm-hmm. That was that was really clear from the start. However, there is, there is hope. Mm-hmm. But I think, as I said before, we need every player to really fire. So you think about the T20 at Edgebaston. Capsie was run out three. That was a... Shambolic run out. Weird, yeah. But Nats of a didn't score many runs. Yeah. Heather and I didn't score many runs. So we need everyone to be chipping in and yeah. scoring rapid runs mm. um, to give ourselves a chance. Yeah. And you, you you suspect we've got to be posting 160 plus against Australia to put them under pressure. Yeah. And I think Danny Gibson's inclusion was she made her debut at Edgebaston on Saturday and I think actually her inclusion kind of sent the message that we want people who can be very attacking batters in Mm -hmm. the side and they're strengthening that I suppose her potentially being picked over Izzy Wong um we'll come on to that in a minute but yeah I think actually having that extra batter was useful of course she didn't have the best day out with the bat but at the same time you know that's just one game what she could do at the Overlord Lords is is different um, in terms of Izzy Wong not being included, I think it was the right decision in terms of based on form. And of course, I haven't really seen her net bowl, things like that. Maybe mm-hmm. she's finding a bit more consistency, but it just doesn't look great when, firstly, she is on the front of Edgebaston mm-hmm. advertising the ashes. She's been on the front of loads of the campaigns. She even did the voice for um, Edgebaston's like, guide to Edgebaston sort of thing which is on the website and stuff and gives email to people so she's she's been very much the face of this and then doesn't play which I know it isn't like the end the be all and end all of everything and it's it's not that deep but I also just think it's not a great look it, I mean it's a difficult one isn't it because she gets chosen to do those things because she's a great ambassador yeah she's uh, she's great when she talks mm. She looks really cool, all those sorts of things. Yeah. Whereas you could think, well, Amy Jones, mm. she's a dead cert pick. Yeah. She's from Birmingham. We'll we'll put her front and centre. Mm-hmm. But her personality is completely different, isn't yeah. it? She's much quieter. She's more mm. introvert. She's very good at what she does. But she's not the sort of person you put front and centre of a marketing yeah, campaign. That's true. Um, and I think they, they need to be careful, mm-hmm. I think, because... It's all about playing talent. Mm. It, Izzy Wong has so much talent. Oh, there 100%. is no doubt about that. And I think in the long term, she is the future of England cricket. Yeah. 
However, yeah, there's something not quite right with her at the moment. Mm. Uh, going on early season form, and clearly John Lewis isn't convinced by her. Mm. I'd love her to get picked for one of the T20s yeah. and for her to just do something spectacular because yeah. she's that sort of player. Mm. Um, you know, without doubt, you know, she she could win games with bat and with ball. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because she then went and played in the England like one day warm up game mm-hmm. for England Day. Um, and she bowled there. So potentially you could read into that thinking, okay, she's going to play in the ODIs and perhaps not the T20s, which I could get. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's an interesting one because I think it is unfortunate that she has kind of just not been quite, I don't say quite right, but like she's not been the Izzy Wong that we're kind of used to. Um, and I think there are so many factors for that. I think one of the big ones is that players have figured it out a little bit. Yeah. And I think this happens a lot with players in kind of their second big season or, you know, second year for England because people figure them out and that's a natural part of it. Um, and you kind of just have to get used to that and think, okay, well, I'm going to add some variations or mm. X, Y, Z. So I'm more of a, a mystery player um, because I think that's why some people have such good debuts because people have never seen them. And then it gets so much harder when suddenly there's loads of footage of you and, you know, people can analyse your bowling, your batting a lot more. So I think that's definitely is a factor. But yeah, there's no denying she's a great bowler. So hopefully she will find some form and perhaps make an appearance in the latter T20s or in the ODIs. And she's still very young. Oh, 100%. I think that's also another thing people forget. Like, she's only 21 Mm -hmm. and... Or she might, uh, yeah, yeah, she's just turned 21. Um, so she's got a massive career ahead. And also she, like, she can make mistakes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, people who are in the back end of their career are always still learning. So, yeah, I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. Um, shall we chat a little bit about the schedule for next summer? Because that came out today. So we're recording on Tuesday. Um, nice. which is a bit different because I'm off to London tomorrow. You're off to France, mm-hmm. a little jolly holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this, the schedule for next year is interesting. So it's going to be um, 14 white ball games for England women. Yes. So I think it's five T20s and three ODIs against uh, New Zealand, which is going to happen in May, which is interesting. And then England will pay, play Pakistan, I believe. Pakistan's in May. Is it Pakistan in May and yeah. New Zealand in June? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yes. And the um, fi- I think the final game is 17th of July. So that's the mm. end of the international season. It's 17th of July. That's nice. There'll be nothing in September. No. That's really interesting. Um, so, yeah, that'll be strange. And it'll be interesting to see how then the domestic stuff scheduled around mm-hmm. that. Um, because obviously normally stuff starts in May. But, yeah, it's a little bit frustrating again. There's no test match which kind of was expected because New Zealand and Pakistan don't really play tests anymore, mm-hmm. which is frustrating. Um, and there's only one game up north, I think. Yes, I mean, within New Zealand... Oh, two Zealand... games. Is it? No, there's one game up north. It's just Headingley. There's a Chesley Street. Oh, there's Chesley Street. Ah, okay. Yeah. So two games up north. Yeah. But, but yeah, loads of... I think there's one of them... Right, I ought to have this in front of me, mm-hmm. but I think there's Canterbury, Hove... Mm-hmm. Um, Lords, the, the Oval, and the Aegeus, yeah. I, and they're all kind yeah, of all on the south coast, pretty much of them, yeah. like the two London ones. It 
it does kind of annoy mm -hmm. anyone who lives north of the Thames. Um, yeah, I think so, Derby and Northampton have have something, yeah. and yeah, Headingley and Chesterley Street have something. Mm. But but the northwest is kind of neglected again. Um, yeah, which is it's kind of disappointing. Because I mean I know they they have come out with that schedule of yeah. where they will be played, so we do know there'll be ones in the future. But again, it's just kind of frustrating. Um, and like speaking to Leah Dobson last week about kind of when you're in the north mm -hmm. that you can't watch international cricket unless it's there'll be like a men's test and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah it's kind of annoying. Um, yes, it, it is a big concentration in the south, and I don't quite know why. That's no. happened. Um, I guess with the northwest, there, there is only old traffic. Yeah. So if it's not available, then you can't then go there. But yeah, I I don't quite get why everything needs to be so concentrated in the southeast. Yeah, it's um it's a strange one. Mm -hmm. Um, let's chat a little bit about Rachel Hairflint. All four games were basically the same one. I'm pretty <laughs> sure two teams got bowled out for the exact same score. It was like two five four or something. So they were all kind of similar. You were at Worcester, weren't you? I was at Worcester, yeah, doing some commentary. So that was uh, Thunder Sparks. Sparks went on to win kind of comfortably. Mm -hmm. It was an interesting game, actually, though. I was good. Sarah and Smell didn't manage to get her century because yeah. she batted so well. Um, played a really, really mature innings. I thought it was excellent. But then, yeah, Sparks bowled pretty well, batted quite well as well. So Amy Campbell. Amy Campbell got a 50. Abby Freeborn was good consistent as normal um so yeah it was it was a really good game actually i kind of wished it was a little bit closer but yeah i thought it was a good game um then sunrise is beating vipers again again um northern diamonds beating southeast stars which was very expected given when stars's team sheet came out it was full of teenagers mm. like i would i want to know the average age of that squad because I kind of forgot that England Day would be happening and England. So pretty much the top regional players were all not with their regions. So there were a couple of debuts, which was quite interesting to see of a, like a lot of academy players. But it did mean that the results perhaps weren't reflected of how the teams normally are. And it'd be interesting to see if that hinders kind of the final places on the table. Of course, it's only one game, but you never know. Yeah, yeah. Well, every every game counts, doesn't it? Mm. And um, yeah, these things do cause disruption. And I think having mm -hmm. A games as well as international games is going to yeah, it, well, it's going to affect the the quality of the mm. Rachel Hale Flint. But also, it gives opportunity, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I suppose a team like Western Storm have probably been the least affected. Mm -hmm. Um. Possibly the Blaze as well. I was trying to think of teams that I mean, Southeast Stars kind of had it the not the worst, but yeah. the most severely because, yeah. of course, they already have a lot of England players, and then they have so many fringe players. You think about ADR, Bryony Smith, uh, Rihanna McDonald Gay. She was mm. taken to play in the warm up. So, yeah, they've had a lot of players missing. Sparks actually were pretty much the same side. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was kind of an interesting one because it just felt very unbalanced to how it normally is. Um, yeah, but it was good to see some under-19 players getting a game as a result mm. of that. So in the game you were at, um, there was... Karis Pavley. Yeah. Um, Sarah Smale, of course. Yeah. Between a pair and Lib Heap. Yeah. 
yeah, and then kind of the usuals who play third region. So yeah, it was quite interesting. Um, is there anything else we need to talk about? Um, no, but you're excitedly off to London, so you're um, you're going to be at the Oval and the Lords. Um, I think so. Yeah, so at the Oval and Lords in, in between quickly in the press box media centre. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. That should be brilliant. That should be fantastic. And then did I hear that you're popping over to Ireland in the middle? I of am it? quickly popping to Dublin for like forty eight hours, then coming back, then going to ABBA. So. But all over the place. Have a voyage. Voyage. Oui, oui. And you are voyaging to... I go to Paris, yeah, to put yeah. out some fires. <laughs> um, you're probably not going to be doing that. Um, going to it's a theme great park. time to be taking a school trip to well, Paris. Yeah, no health and safety concerns mm. at all. Um, perfect. So, yeah, that's why we are recording on a Tuesday and we can't provide... Uh, well, to be fair, if anything crazy if there are like mancads then we may have to like quickly add something in but i'm kind of hoping that doesn't happen because i don't have the energy for that yes. just in a crazy place in the last week we don't need more crazy yeah so we don't know the result of the lords of the oval games but... should we make predictions yes i want like random predictions so like who's going to win and then a player and what they like how much they're going to score or like how many wickets right oval mm-hmm. england gonna win yeah caps is gonna get about 70 off about that. 40 balls yeah i was going to predict that i was thinking um yeah definitely catsy at the overall then i was thinking danny gibson gets a big score at lords well like, they're not big score i feel like 47 not out okay yeah, yeah. off 25 balls around that mm-hmm. to be fair last time i did make a prediction it was at the test and I can't remember the exact thing, but it was like mathematically possible if Kate Cross didn't score any more runs and Amy Jones got a duck and the two things didn't happen. So no more predictions for me. <laughs> um, anyway, we do have a really exciting guest this week. We do. The, uh, the breakthrough player of the season. Yeah, the talk of the town. We have Lauren Filer, who, of course, made her England debut in the Test match took the wickets of Elise Perry twice mm. and got Beth Mooney and Tali McGrath. So it was so interesting to sit down with Lauren and just find out about everything she's done over the winter, her experience of going into the England camp for the first time and just so much about her career. So enjoy our chat with Lauren Filer. Uh, so uh, tell me what you've been up to today. What what, what do international cricketers uh, do on a Tuesday? Um, I'm actually back with um, England for a little bit um, while they prep for their T20. Um, I'm just joining them. Uh, so we had training today and then did a little bit of shopping. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, because I noticed you weren't playing for Storm on the weekend. So it's, it's quite nice. You can still... Um, be part of the England setup, even though you're not in the T20 squad. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was, yeah, they just phoned me up and kind of said, we still want you kind of in and around it. Um, so yeah, like you say, it's nice. It's nice to still be a part of it. Um, but yeah. I think that, I think that's actually really important, isn't it? Cause it's about belonging. I think particularly for people coming in to the squad, cause I, I don't know how you feel, but if it, if it were me and I were just invited into yeah, the England's okay. This is not going to happen. But if it, if it happened to me, I would feel like 
there's been some sort of mistake or I, I don't belong here, you know, that kind of imposter type feeling. So I think to continue to ask you to be around just kind of gives you that that that's reassurance, maybe. I don't know if that's the right word. That's how I would feel anyway. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. I think um it's nice just to be, like you say, just to be part of the part of the team. Um and yeah, just still like training with the coaches um, and socialising and stuff. Because I mean, I've played against a lot of the team, but I haven't really spent a lot of time apart from obviously the test match. I haven't spent a lot of time with a lot of the players. So it's nice to still kind of try and build the relationships. Yeah, definitely. We'll get on to the England stuff in a bit. But if we go back to the very start, how did you first get into cricket? Oh, um, I think I was about nine or ten. And my local cricket club started under 11 girls team um and then yeah just me and my twin sister kind of went down and really enjoyed it and then within a a year we both trialed for Somerset under 12s I think and we both got in um and then it just kind of went from there um just kind of kept going up within the counties uh, within the county setup sorry um through the age groups um and yeah that's that's brilliant. So tell me the name of your local cricket club because I think it's really important to name check these uh, these clubs when you're doing these interviews. Uh, it's Western Supermare Cricket Club. Fantastic. And so who were some of the really key people going back to when you were 11 years old who really kind of helped you start that journey? Oh, oh I don't want to miss out anyone. <laughs> I know, this is, um, this is... <laughs> <laughs> There was quite a few, I think... Um... Oh, I'm not going to name anyone because I will miss people out. But there are just there's a few. They know who they are if they listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, uh, but there was a lot of people down at my cricket club who kind of there was a lot of um, parents who coached, and then there was a few who went through like ECB, um, like level two, level three uh, coaching as well. Um, but yeah, it was kind of there was quite quite a few, so it's kind of hard to name certain people, um, especially as I went up in age groups because obviously you change coaches quite a lot. Um, but yeah, there was definitely probably like ten or ten or fifteen people that I had coaching me at Western. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic that there was a an age group girls team as well because even now that's so rare across so many different counties. So did at any point did you play boys cricket or was it always girls and women's cricket? Oh yeah, no, I played. I did definitely played a lot of boys and men's cricket. I the only team girls team that I kind of really played for um club wise was that under 11s team. And then that kind of progressed into um under 13 boys, under 15 boys, and then under 19s I think it was. Um but girls could play 2 years above their age in the league that we were in. So I actually could play for the under 11 girls team until I was 13 because we were in a it technically in a boys league um so so yeah so that was probably that was the only girls team apart from obviously women's cricket within Somerset I wouldn't that was probably the only girls team I played for growing up but I played a lot of a lot of boys cricket so uh, well done to Western Supermare I think that's absolutely fantastic the setup that's going on there and all those kind of unsung heroes those you know parents that do lifts and do coaching and all that sort of thing. It's the, it's the real sort of fabric of the game nationally, isn't it? That, that brings up, you know, allows players to develop in that way. So that sounds absolutely fantastic. Yeah, definitely. I think they don't probably get, don't get enough credit. Um, I know a lot of people down my cricket club, but especially the parents and a, f- a few others just 
they put in so much time and effort. So it's nice, I think, for them to see not necessarily like this sort of level, but even even county level or just like their kids that they coach doing really well at club level as well. Um, but yeah, we've yeah, it's really good. And uh, you mentioned about having a twin sister and playing cricket with her. Did she, you know? Does she still play cricket now? And was it ever really competitive with you two? Because I've got two brothers, and whenever we do sport, it's always been very competitive and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, very competitive. I think we. She does still play cricket. Uh, so she went to Loughborough Uni. So she played for, uh, played for them. But it, it was it was kind of hard to be competitive because she used to be a batter, and then obviously I've always been a bowler. Um, and then when she kind of switched to bowling, she was not. She's an off-spin bowler, so it's never really. Although it's been quite competitive, we haven't really been able to compare each other um, as much. But there's definitely been a few arguments on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, so of course you went through kind of your whole career just playing for fun, and then last year you got your first professional contract. What were you doing before the contract, and then what difference has the contract made? Uh, so I was at uni uh, before I got my contract. Um, yeah, it's obviously made a massive difference. I actually, the, the year before I got it, I was pretty much in full time due to the due to the sort of COVID restrictions within uni and how it all kind of set up after COVID. I didn't actually have to be in uni that much. It was all kind of online. Um, so I actually managed to go train pretty much full time with Storm the year before I went pro um so actually there wasn't that much I wouldn't say there was loads of difference between them two years um within training wise but actually it's like this year I think we've just for a western storm basis anyway we've just had like a complete like switch of mentality of like trying to get as fit as we can as strong as we can to then obviously go into the skills in further on in the winter so we had a six-week fitness block um at the start of the winter sort of like november december and that was very very tough um but it then meant that all of us probably there's less injuries and we're all probably can hit the ball harder and bowl faster um so that's probably one of the one things i've noticed more now not necessarily because i'm a pro but it has helped obviously because then i can i can turn up and it's my job so i don't have to go anywhere else whereas obviously there's a few other people that would have to get into the fitness and then or do work and come to fitness so um yeah it's been really good and that's that's the hidden thing about professional sport isn't it so as far as we fans are concerned you kind of emerge in april and just start playing cricket but actually there's been six seven months of hard work going on before then and we, we spoke to fran wilson didn't we a couple of weeks ago and she said that something happened to you over the winter and suddenly you were a yard faster in your bowling <laughs> you were you know it was just amazing that there was this kind of you know you'd you'd always been good but then suddenly there was something extra so what exactly happened um I feel like some of it probably was the fitness block and then I actually did a sort of the Jack Brooks from Somerset came in and he did he spoke to Matt Mason who's the England um bowling coach and they kind of had a chat about my action um and how I, I was used to be quite out of time with my load up so they basically said we want to try and see if you can switch it up and try and load and make sure your timing's all in sync um because it basically meant that I'd 
less likely to get injured and I would probably get faster. So that's what we did basically. Um, so now my action looks a lot different to probably what it was even six months, well, maybe eight months ago. Um, so it's just basically repeating the action that I have now, um, which is obviously a lot of people keep comparing it to Bob Willis a little bit. Um, but it's not, that's not on purpose. It's just, that was how, um, like they told me how, how I needed to do it. And it was kind of me just finding my way of trying to get in, in time with, with myself. Um, and that's basically how I've put on pace. It's just the timing of it. So I'm, everything's kind of going forward and all the momentum's carrying me forward rather than slowing myself down because I'm out of time. I mean, it's so complicated, isn't it? it bowling, the sort of physics, the mechanics of bowling to to generate that amount of, of pace. But I guess what you've shown is that by working on it, you can really kind of um, create a, a massive, massive difference. So how, in terms of repetitions, how can you, how much do you have to do it in order to make yourself not fall back into the way you bowled for a decade previously and to yeah. keep the, the the new action going? Um, so it actually took me probably only a couple of weeks to figure out how I was going to bowl, what they wanted me to. Um, and then after that, it was just, I probably I couldn't put a timescale on it, really. It I think it all just kind of clicked just in one session where everything just felt right. And I was like, oh, this is how I need to do it. Um, so it was definitely a lot over time, probably maybe a, a month, I'd say of just like continuously trying to do and not thinking about anything else, probably not thinking about where the ball's going, not thinking about bowling fast, none of that, just this one specific thing um, and just trying to replicate that every time I bowled. Um, so yeah, after about a month, it all kind of like clicked and fell into place and I didn't have to think about it um, to actually do it, which is I think when you know that something's something's worked and, and it's it's you can repeat it because you're not actually thinking about doing it um but yeah I was actually surprised with how quickly I managed to pick it up just because of how different it probably well it was to my old action um but obviously that was really good because the season was fast approaching so I was we were trying to get it in so <laughs> so I could get it in for the season basically yeah, well, uh, it really paid off, of course, because you got the England call up. Um, so talk us through that that phone call. Where were you, and and how did you feel when you first got it? Uh, so I actually missed it. <laughs> I um I was on a a dog walk, but I didn't have any signal. Um, so the phone call didn't come through on my phone at the time, and I got back in the car and I was with my partner, and I was like, oh, I've got a voicemail. Didn't know the number because I hadn't. <laughs> I didn't save his number, which is quite bad. Um, so I was like, oh, I just listened to it. And it was through playing through Bluetooth on my car. And all of a sudden it says like, hi, it's John Lewis here. Just want to talk about England selection. And then me and my boyfriend looked at each other like, wait, what? Um, so I was like, right, we need to get somewhere where we've got signal like now. <laughs> and then um, Louis phoned me back probably like 10 minutes later. Um, and he just said, yeah, I just want to congratulate you for being picked in the Ashes Test Squad um, and I think that's probably the first time I've been lost for words I didn't really know what to say I just kept saying thank you it's, I mean it's just it's it's amazing isn't it I, and the, 
when you think about that hard work you put in over the winter and to get such instant results, that's quite rare, isn't it? <laughs> to, to to actually make that that step up so rapidly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the pace obviously helped. Like, um, that I know that there's bowlers that are probably more skillful and more consistent than I am. Um, well, there definitely is. <laughs> but obviously, with the pace that I put on in the winter, it did it helped um, help me with that, and probably people started to recognize it more than probably what I used to, the pace I used to bowl at because it was sort of similar to a few other players. Um, but yeah, it was nice to feel recognized and get the recognition obviously from all, like you say, from that hard work that I put in. Yeah. And I guess it was exciting from our perspective as well, because we're thinking, well, the, a lot of the Aussies probably have never seen you bowl and you haven't bowled against many of them, perhaps maybe a bit in the hundred, but a lot of them wouldn't have seen you. So the analysts were probably scrambling around trying to find bits <laughs> of footage of you bowling at Western Storm or, or for Welsh Fire. So that was quite exciting. But what was it like going into the England setup for the first time? And of course, there was like the announcement and that was quite big with your name being in there, having to do interviews, all that sort of thing. How different was that? Because I suppose at, at Storm, there's a lot less... I wouldn't say there's a lot less interest, well, there probably is, in like re women's regional cricket, but there's, you know, less few people doing interviews, that sort of thing. And it's just England and the Ashes, it's it's so much bigger. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, like, again, I've got, I've said this probably in every interview I've had, but it was a really nice group to come into. Um, everyone was like really welcoming. Um, and it kind of felt like I'd already been there um, in a weird sort of way. Like it just everyone was really friendly and I didn't really feel like I um, couldn't talk to anyone or anything like that. So that was, that was really nice. Um, and yeah, so like the first training session we had, I actually, I don't know whether you saw this, but I actually got bold live on Sky when they announced the team um, and they filmed it. <laughs> so um, yeah, that wasn't ideal. So that was my first kind of insight into live television. Um, so obviously a great start. But I had an interview after that that was pre-recorded, um, and it was actually it was actually fine. I feel like I'm I like to chat, so I'm actually okay with that sort of in interview sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's definitely very different. It's you kind of you probably get put on the spot a little bit more than if you did have an interview in regional cricket. You they wouldn't ask the awkward questions, but obviously with with the media they they do because um, they obviously wanna they wanna know your opinion. Um, so I got asked how how well, like the big question of how we're going to beat the Aussies, and I just said I don't know. I'm new here. Ask someone else. <laughs> so it's just like I just want to just yeah that and that was one of the questions where I was like I'm not answering that because I have no idea because <laughs> um, obviously a very good side. So I think you've just got to bring your character through a little bit with stuff like that. Um, or that's what I tried to do anyway. I didn't want to take myself too seriously. I mean you can't really when you've been bold. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure how the Aussies would feel if someone on their first call up to England came out with a whole thing of how they're going to thrash the Aussies. It would, uh, <laughs> it would be quite a statement, and it'd be interesting to see. But yeah, I don't know how well Australia would take it. So, talk us through your actual debut at Trent Bridge, um, getting your cap for the first time, and and then taking the field and and having to bowl. Yeah. Um. So do you know what? I it was weird. I wasn't. I didn't feel very nervous until like right before we were walking down the stairs and that was probably the most nervous I was and then I probably about it took me about five overs into the games actually like right I'm in the game now I'm fine 
Um, but everyone in the morning kept asking me if I was okay. Like at breakfast, everyone was just like looking at me and smiling. And I was like, hi guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it was, it was really nice. Like Eve, Heather's, um, cat presentation was lovely. Um, I've known Heather for a re- like a few years now. Um, but she probably hasn't seen me play loads. So it's quite nice to have like her back in. Um, and like she said, words, uh, that storm, one of the storm girls has said as well. Um, which was really nice so yeah it was just um obviously it was like like a great day Every, I got the nickname of Lauren Smiler by the end of it because I couldn't I was just I was just trying to take in everything because every person I spoke to said this week will go so quick so just embrace it um and yeah and I think that's what I tried to do I didn't want to look too far ahead I didn't want to get too disappointed um but yeah it was it was such a surreal experience I can't it kind of feels like it was ages ago um but yeah it was it was so good and tell me about the the change from playing white ball cricket to playing red ball cricket you know to putting your your whites on and and playing a a five-day test match because I guess you've probably not got loads of experience of doing that uh no so before the test match I'd played one three-day game which was the week before and then I'd played a two-day game three years ago maybe four years ago so apart from that I had no um, multi-day experience um, so it was definitely very different um, obviously with the red ball it does tend to swing a bit more um, and you obviously set different fields you bowl probably a different length well I would bowl a different length than what I would do in um, one day cricket as well so it was it was definitely a challenge but I actually really enjoyed it because the red ball tends to stay harder for longer so you tend to get more bounce and carry as well um and actually in the test match it probably didn't swing as much as I thought it was going to so it ended up I wasn't I didn't have to manipulate my action and my run up as much as I thought I was going to um compared to what I would in white ball stuff um but yeah it was definitely obviously it's different uh the five the five days is obviously very long but I actually really enjoyed it um bowling that amount of overs in that space of time obviously does take its toll on your body um but we had like some great staff that kind of helped um help me especially because my legs were just nowhere <laughs> so I, every time I came off the pitch I was like I need some soft tissue um but yeah it was it was really good it was yeah it was I would love to play more um but it's just obviously it's kind of a hard a hard format to um continue with obviously with all the sort of games that we've that we've got and regional cricket at the moment obviously doesn't have any either so it's kind of hard there probably won't be many soon um but I hopefully it does it will develop into something you've got to hope it's on the agenda somewhere for for domestic cricket because I just think that the skill development as well that you get from playing the longer format games I just think is really really good things like you know slip field tank which you you kind of don't really get to do in in t20 and rarely get to do in in ODIs you know those sorts of things I just think it's really good to see um in the women's game I, I want to talk to you about your very first ball in international cricket as well. And how how did that feel? Yeah, really good. Do you know what? I had multiple dreams a few <laughs> days before leading up to it, thinking I was going to bowl a beamer first ball. <laughs> so when I looked up and it had hit, it had gone straight and almost, and hit her in the pads, I thought, oh, thank God. <laughs> um, 
but yeah it was it was really good i obviously i mean actually if you look watch it back you can see my appeals probably not that big but it's because i was so surprised it went straight because i was quite nervous for that first of all um and then obviously i did hear two noises but i was hoping it was pad first um and it was one of them things where if it happened it would have been like what is going on um but it was quite nice to even have that as a sort of start because it just it made me probably get into my spell like with it which like within one ball um but yeah it was a bit of a mental moment to be honest well you got her on 99 so we're satisfied with that <laughs> it's perfect I mean I had this uh conversation I was like well I really want to see Elise Perry get a century but I was also like I really don't want her to get a century as an England fan so actually getting her on 99 was like the perfect balance because I'd seen most of the runs I was like I've seen Elise <laughs> Perry back but she hasn't got the glory of the century so it was uh it's perfect for me actually it was yeah. well do you know what sorry go on well, it was it was great that you got her in both innings, wasn't it? And then, you know, you got Mooney out and McGrath out as well. You know, yeah. so you know those are major A-list batters that you are. Yeah, and each time it seemed to be that it was pace that really did for them. Yeah, I mean, I think I bowled to, uh, I think I bowled to Mooney and Perry last year in the hundred. I'm, I don't think I bowled to McGrath, um, but I know that Perry said in an, in an interview after that she thought I'd put on a few yards and I think that's probably potentially maybe is what that first ball was what surprised her a little bit and um, she probably wasn't expecting it because I, I know that in the 100 last year I, I wasn't bowling my quickest because I was probably more concentrating on bowling it straight um so yeah it was yeah it's, obviously it's great to kind of get them sort of wickets but I wasn't really thinking of the player who I was bowling against it was more of just I want to bowl my best ball um and yeah I think that that kind of that worked really um but yeah obviously having them big names is, is great for well <laughs> my self-confidence a little bit um and obviously people it's a conversation starter as well for a, a lot of people and after the test match of course England lost and you know there were times where you think England could win this and it it kind of swayed both ways but what was the mood in the dressing room like after you know were people kind of gutted because of course you lost but at, at the same time it was such a good display of test cricket um I think it was it was quite tough to take I know that um obviously people deal with it in different ways some of the girls were obviously very disappointed and some people um probably didn't show it as much as others did um yeah it was hard I know that I was disappointed obviously getting out um was really frustrating but yeah, it was it was a weird one because it was like you said it was a very good game and it was a great um kind of insight into what women's cricket can be. Um so that was obviously really good from our point of view. Um but obviously it was disappointing to lose. So it was kind of a bit of a a mixed bag of emotions really. Um but yeah, I know that I was disappointed but obviously I was thrilled to make my debut at the same time. So I was definitely kind of it was very up and down. Um but yeah, I mean, I guess the the way to look at it is you're playing against one of the most, well, if not the most successful teams in the history of any sport in any era, and there's not a great gap between you really. You're you're really close. They, you know, they were beatable in the test, just like they were beatable in in the T20 on on Saturday as well. And it feels like that gap is getting smaller and smaller. But we're we're just 
get trying to get in the habit of beating them, whereas they just seem to find a way of of always winning. Yeah, like and yeah, like you say, they they know how to win. So that's where we've obviously got to try and break that a little bit. Um, but like you say, they're the best. Well, yeah, the best sporting side in the world. Um, so we know it's going to take probably a lot to beat them. Um, and I think, like you say, the test match and the first T20 was like a great start. Um, and it does, and like you say, it does show that we're we're not too far away. Um, it's probably just them sort of uh, kind of in between moments where it could go either way that it probably just sided with them a little bit. Um, but yeah, obviously we're hoping, like we're hoping that other people are noticing that the gap is closing as well. Um, but like we've we've just we've still got to remember like they are a very very good side. So. I don't think we can be too disappointed with the performances we've put in because I think we've done, we've done really well. Um, yeah. And uh, what was your experience like of the crowd? Because at many points they really got behind you when you were bowling. Yeah. So I played at Trent Bridge last year in the hundred and I actually thought it was probably the best crowd I played in front of. Um, and they kind of proved that again um, at the test match. I mean, I know a lot of people kept saying that I, I was the crowd favourite. Um, kind of helps when you're on debut. But yeah, it was really good. Like, obviously, there was a lot of clapping, like when you were running in, which I don't think some people kept asking me, well, did it put me off? But actually, it's it it helps you, especially when you're in your 25th over of in two days, whatever it was. Um, and you're, you've, you're struggling a little bit probably to run in as quickly as you would do. It's like that boost that you kind of need. Because um, like obviously they're clapping because they want to see good balls take wickets, and that's and that's kind of what you want to do as soon as they start clapping. Um, so yeah, it was really good. And even um, there's a few chants from probably more of the hospitality end. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was great. It was it was good to see see like a lot of people in um, and spread out across the ground as well, not just kind of chucked into one one stand. Um, but yeah, it was. It was, yeah, really, really good experience to play with that sort of crowd and how like encouraging they were. Yeah, I was there on the Saturday and it was it was brilliant. It was just a fantastic atmosphere, and you're clearly lots of people there at their first ever women's game and were just really, really, really getting into it. And of course, Tammy Beaumont got her 200 uh, on that day as well, and it was just absolutely amazing moments and and, and memories that you build up on it. Uh, Polly was there all five days and was absolutely exhausted by the end of it, just watching it. So I can't imagine what it must have felt like to have played for five days. Yeah, hard. <laughs> um, yeah, I well, do you know what? My parents said they were exhausted after watching it as well for five days. So you're not the only one. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was very mentally and physically tiring. Um but it was like such a good experience. I don't think I'll ever experience anything like that again, just just because of the sort of me going into it with like the unknown. Um, so obviously I hope that like, if I ever do play a test match again, I kind of, I know a little bit more of what's going on. Um, but yeah, it was so good. And uh, quickly before we finish, I want to chat a little bit about the 100. So obviously, I mean, it is coming up in a month, but it feels like we've still got a lot of cricket to go before that. What has your experience been of the 100 in, in previous years? You know, the crowds have been amazing. There's been some amazing overseas players as well. So, you know, what's your time in the 100 been like? 
yeah really good um I mean I, d- I didn't play the first year so as a player I wouldn't have known sort of the crowds and everything like that but the second year it was it was really really fun um I think that's probably one of the biggest things coming out of it is it was actually just really enjoyable playing every game um obviously losing's hard but like even when you lose and someone's smashing it about or someone's taking loads of wickets it was still it was still a fun game um and I think it's obviously doing done so much for women's cricket because of obviously it's double head double headers which is great um and the amount of people that have kind of come up to me and said oh we're leaving now we don't want to watch the men we would just we've just come for like the women's game which and most like admittedly most of them are probably mums and dads with kids but the fact that we've kind of brought them in is obviously really like really great um but yeah like the hundreds it's it's great and I think I think hopefully this year we even bigger and better um but yeah we'll have to see it's, it's been amazing, I think, as, as the 100. And I think it's, in terms of one thing that's really transformed the women's game, th- that is it, isn't it? It's just, it's it kind of given people permission to discover it and enjoy it, who kind of weren't even aware that it was there before. And it's given a sort of an opportunity for people to sort of show who they are and those their names to be to be known. And so suddenly the England players are more and more becoming, house, well, not quite household names, but they're certainly names in our household, but they're, you know, they're becoming more well-known on a national level. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even even like, obviously, players from regional cricket that wouldn't have necessarily, so on maybe this year, but last year, where there wasn't, there was only how many contracts, six contracts or whatever, there was a lot of players that probably didn't even have a full-time contract that were playing. Um, so, bringing their names out is also really important because it, it obviously promotes themselves as well as like the team um, and probably might even help them get a professional contract within the regions. Um, so I think that's really important as well. Um, but it's it's good. F- I think it's great for young players as well. Like obviously I know that, I mean, I was quite young when it first started. I mean, I'm still quite young, but um, like on the basis of the 18-year-old, 17, 18-year-olds that are coming in, it's a great experience for them, even if they don't play, like they get to play with some of the best players in the world. Um, I know that my second year, I had Hayley Matthews and Rachel Haynes, which was like awesome. And then another youngie, Annabelle Sutherland, who obviously I played against. Um, so like having that sort of like knowledge basis as well, like you can just like dive into their sort of their game and their knowledge, um, which I think is like, it's just yeah, it's so it's so good when you probably as a as a young player you don't really get to do that that often. Um because one you're probably not um you're not confident enough to ask if that you do meet that player. Um but in that sort of environment you kind of have to chat about cricket. So it's great to kind of get gain knowledge from them players and probably kind of help they will help you with your game. Um, and even the coaching as well like you get different coaches um, and yeah you just get to it's just such a different experience to probably regional cricket obviously regional cricket is very structured and very um, similar to probably a lot of players but going into the 100 it's completely different and it's completely new Um, so I think it's actually a really really good experience and it's great for young players isn't it to put them into that real pressure atmosphere with a big crowd big occasion 
TV coverage, media, that sort of thing. And it, it allows people to really shine, doesn't it? So you think about Alice Capsey in the first year of it or your teammate Sophia Smale last year. They they showed themselves to be superstars because they were put in the spotlight and they were and they shone in, in that um environment. Yeah, definitely. Like like you said with Sophie and Capsi, they both probably weren't uh Capsi was probably more known than Soph was. But um, but even so, like, yeah, they showed what they can do. Um and I think that's what every young player's got to think of when they come in to the hundred. And if they do play, like take take hold of it and take advantage and show what you can do. Um, I think that's all that's all you can do. Just do your best. Um, and I mean, if if you do well, like look look at Capsi now. <laughs> um, that's only what two years ago, and she's flying now. So it just shows what a few performances can do to promote your um, well promote yourself as a player um, and show how good you actually are. Well, I mean, it's been absolutely brilliant to to speak to you and hear your experience. And you know, in terms of meteoric rises, um, you know, you've you've kind of capped a lot of them there. I think you know, from uh, when you think what you've achieved this season, and um, so we really want to congratulate you for that because that's just been absolutely brilliant to see. And I think it gives Thank a lot of much. hope as well to regional players right across um, England that you know, if you put that work in, then the reward is there for you. Yeah, well, I hope so. <laughs> Thank you very much. She was so good to talk to. It was just so interesting. I think after we'd spoken to Fran Wilson, she'd mentioned stuff that um Danny and Lauren had changed over the winter I was really interested to know okay how do people go about this and I I think especially for a bowler when you're changing your action that's such a big thing because Mm. it could work really well as it has done with Lauren but it could also be like a massive flop and it's it's almost like maybe not quite like learning how to bowl again but you're having to change something which you've got kind of in your Mm. just like in your what's it called the memory um Muscle memory. Muscle memory, that's yeah. it. Which you're then suddenly having to change, especially just when it's just before the start of the season. That's yeah. um, a lot to do. But yeah, I mean, it's paid off really well. So Yes, yes. So she's been absolutely brilliant and a great mm. person to talk to. Yeah. And she's from Western Supermare. Yeah. It's where people from Birmingham go on holiday. I was thinking, that's the thing. I've only ever known Western <laughs> Supermare is like the place that Midlanders go to go to the beach. Um, never been myself, but I'm sure it's a lovely place. Yeah. Um, brilliant. So um, have a great time down at um, Lords in the Oval. Thank you. Enjoy Paris. Oh, Mary. <laughs> and we'll be back next week, maybe with another guest. Maybe with another guest. I mean, ugh, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. So our Instagram is North Child Podcast. Our Twitter is OO Child Podcast. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.